so here we are with season three. Season three. And we're enjoying words. We we like to call it uh, miscellaneous. Hit or misc. Hit or miss. As we said, pre-roll. We're going to start a new podcast. Yeah. Hit or misc. Hit or misc. Subscribe. Subscribe now. Be the first. (laughs) Be the first before we start. So yeah, we don't have a specific category, but we have some fun words and phrases. Yeah, fun phrases. Clauses. Yeah. Right? Maybe. Hooking them up. What's your function? Easy. I can't say that. Yeah. So uh, how are you feeling over there? I'm feeling okay. Do you want me to go first? Or do you, you want, want to, go, to first? go first? I have no strong feelings, but I can go first. I mean, I have a strong feeling that I want to go first. Okay. But it's a weird, strong feeling. Okay. <laughs> I might need to see a doctor. See somebody. Yeah. That's cool. I have a fever. So when I put my pants on. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, make gold records. So this is a word. Ray. Yeah. I have used this word wrongly all of my life, it turns out. And I didn't know that until it was given to me to research. Nice. That's good. I mean, I think a lot of us fall into these categories with a lot of different phrases. I know I personally do a lot of the time. Like like using it completely wrong. Right. I'll just say for an example, put a pin in something. I think we did that but that's when I just learned last year what it meant. I, I never used it because I knew I was going to use it wrong. <laughs> See, I, I've i just been throwing my word out. You're using it. Willy-nilly. With, with, with a plum. Okay, yeah. Incorrectly, you know, since I could say the word. Well, what do we got? Because maybe I'm in the same boat. Maybe. Or you've just allowed me to be a moron. No. No, it's okay. But I say it all the time. I even use it. Yeah. So here it is. Okay. Are you ready? I think. The word <laughs> is reconnoiter. 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 Yeah. 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 So partly, rightly so, because it has a re at yeah. the front. Sure. I tend to always think that, you know, it's, I'm connoitering again. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to re. I connoitered? Connoiter. <laughs> And now, right? Yeah, right, sure. But what the hell is Canoiter, right? So Sure. But we're going to talk we're going to talk in, in great depth about that. Reconnoiter, to examine with the eye, to make a preliminary examination of, survey of, or to survey with a view to military or engineering operations. Now, this is a modern-day Webster's definition mm-hmm. which I have a problem with and we'll get back to why i have a problem with it okay i'm going to read the first line again to examine with the eye to make a preliminary examination of that's all i'm saying there okay Mm -hmm. preliminary examination it's like the first time you realize that like a particular like something was good like maybe maybe you hated radishes all your life and one day one was in a salad, and you just ate the damn thing, and you're like, oh, my God, I, I get love it. radishes. I get it now. Yeah? Yeah, the radish the radish door has been opened. The veil of, of <laughs> anti-radish has been pulled from my eyes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is a little like this. Okay. Vaguely. The veil of... And no radishes involved, but the deep dive on the etymology, which way back, you know, that uh, proto-window... P-I-E, yeah. 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 G-N-O, no mm-hmm. knowledge. Uh, also that 
that made its way into a form N-O-S-C-R-E, noscre. So knowledge, but you put a co-prefix on that. Again, we're, we're still back there in old language building blocks. Mm-hmm. And you have uh, to be aware of. Mm-hmm. And it's a tricky idea for my feeble brain, but that you have the knowledge, but you also, you're aware of the knowledge. You have, you have, um, you put the co on and you're mm-hmm. aware that you have the knowledge. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you know, it's a fine line again between action and adventure. Yeah. <laughs> but then you put the re on in front of that and the re, if no and, and no, Nasker is uh, a knowledge and mm-hmm. co is the aware of, and you put the re on in front of that, that's again, I re am aware of the knowledge. Okay. Yeah. That I have. Mm-hmm. Like that. That gets you into a place that, like, let's say this. No, I have the knowledge. Co, no, I'm aware that I have the knowledge. That is recognize. I recognize. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right? Yeah. But then the weird little shift is if I I reconoscure, then I re-recognize. That's what Middle French had a word for reconnaître, which literally meant to be knowledgeable again. Yeah. And that is the grandmother of reconnoiter. It just went through a couple of permutations of spelling and pronunciation uh, between the French and the English, but, mm-hmm. it, but it ended up being what we use today as reconnoiter. Again, I'm going to say, because it's freaky to yeah. me, to be knowledgeable again. All right? Is it like to remember something you knew? Is that, or is it to like... No. Okay. The again part is what throws you. I know, because it seems redundant. Again, variations between uh, recognize, mm-hmm. reconnaissance, and reconnoiter are all um, cousins here. Mm-hmm. Uh, kissing cousins. Sisters really. doing it for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. But we, we ended up by the 16th century uh, with basically this melting pot of several of these words, which weren't too far apart, but... You know, the French, they, they have very detail about what, what, when they're describing something, they got a word for that thing, you know? A lot of languages do better at it <laughs> we, than us. We, no, we also have those words. We just choose not to use no, them. We choose not to use yeah. them. We just say, that's so awesome. Hey, I use my thousand words. Hey, that's words. pretty awesome. Hey, that's very awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, yeah, I've read Nabokov. Yeah. We do have a breadth of words that all imply a different level of uh, understanding yeah. and nuance. Yeah, exactly. We have those words. <laughs> yeah. That's sad. Do you use them? Uh, no. Do I use any words beyond the 10 that I use? No, not really. Yeah. No, no. So recognize and reconnoiter, are they still like similar? Would you classify them as, as kind of maintaining a, a same? Well, well, that's the thing. Okay. So recognize is yeah. to know that you have the knowledge of something yeah that's uh, like a being co- you know cognitive and aware mm-hmm. and then a reconnoiter is to re-recognize <laughs> yeah i know cognitive knowing again i, I love it but yeah. it's like wow you know i always said reconnoiter <clears throat> meaning uh let's Let's circle back. Uh, you know, if, if me, you, and Rebecca were talking about something, yeah, I would say, "Hey, after lunch, let's reconnoiter." 
on this subject, which, which, which was completely wrong. Pretty wrong. There was 14 or 75 better words (laughs) for what I wanted to say there. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. We want you want to revisit something. You don't it, want to re-remember. I don't want to re because we don't it. even know what's to remember. Because we don't in know my what we're context. remembering it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> this is where I, it anyway. What's the point of that? Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I mean, I bring us to uh, these definitions that we have now. They seem to have left out the part where you re-recognize it. Mm-hmm. And and they sort of in in my estimation use it uh, exchangeable for reconnaissance. Mm-hmm. Uh, reconnaissance is more like recognize to acknowledge and know. So you go to a place and you see mm-hmm. and you know. Yeah. To reconnoiter is to see again and know again. But we don't use it that way. And the way the 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 military took it, and and I don't know why the military takes some of these these words but mostly we we saw things like the foo bars and yeah. things like that but yeah. this is a damn regular good word <laughs> just done target that got screwed up because uh their definition is is basically when you reconnoiter something you explore it with a particular goal in mind but that that's not yeah is not the real uh mothership definition yeah. of reconnoiter huh Reconnoiter uh, would be if you had done recon on a coastline and were worried about where the tanks of the enemy were, you would reconnoiter that coastline to get a new plan going. But you already knew what you were looking at. Uh, You recognized what you were seeing. You were just re-recognizing it. (laughs) I know. Yeah. It's a good word. I was using it wrong. But I question that our military is using it right. <laughs> or they've just now just changed the meaning of it at this point. Well, sure. I mean, that does happen, as we know. So it was both uh, enlightening and a little disappointing for me because you go, oh, now I understand that word. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I can't use it the right way because everyone has some weird definition of it now. I definitely wasn't using it right either. For, to show solidarity with you. I mean, I was, thank you. You're welcome. I was way, I was just way off the mark. Uh, that's, that's, that's what we got to, uh, to know, to know that we know and to re-know it. To re-know something. hmm To really know it and really know it. That sounds <laughs> very... Knowledgeable. Knowledgeable. Yeah. And very uh, responsible and not... And awesome. And not heedless or <laughs> reckless or rash or wild or mad. Perhaps. Oh, this is some other thing you're laying <laughs> on me. I'm fighting your transition. <laughs> um, so you're saying if you, you there maybe a, a reconnoiterer, wow, uh, wouldn't be harebrained, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I mean, maybe probably not. No. No. They, they wouldn't be heedless, reckless, rash, wild, mad. No, this is your harebrained? Yes, of persons or their actions. <laughs> harebrained. Mm. They're harebrained. Have you have you used this term before? Maybe probably. It's it's not in the the back pocket for regular use. If if I were say, can you spell harebrained for me? Well, what would you spell it like? Well, uh, this isn't a trick. This is not a trick question. No, I know. There's no trick here. But you 
pre pre the record button, you already said that Rebecca had spelled it wrong, and then you gave me this Did other I? definition, which makes me recognize that okay. maybe it's maybe someone thinks a rabbit is dumb and running about. Uh, so I'm going to go with H A R E brained. Damn it. Yeah, you but, are correct. Yeah, but you you fed it to me. I guess I guess I did. Ask me twenty minutes ago, and I'm with I'm with the H A I R. Well, good news, they're both okay. Yeah, that's nice. But gold stars for everybody. gold stars for everybody. But um, it comes from the H A R E brained, if you will. Oh, I had a whole ruse worked up, and I just I just skipped right on over it. Damn. Darn it. Damn, I hate that. I was going to try to sell you that it was H-A-I-R and that the hair follicles got turned around in the scalp and we started growing in towards the skull. Oh, it's way... And then, uh, way <laughs> then the condition can worsen and uh, it'll actually find, find its way through your skull into your brain, causing problems. The commander said, don't worry, I don't have the authority to kill you today, which was positive for that day anyway. In 1993, Chris Moon was captured by the Khmer Rouge while clearing landmines in Cambodia. With survival probability low, Chris was brought in front of the boss. He was just given a local nickname, Mr. Clever. Hi, I'm Steve Windus, host of the Batting the Breeze podcast. I'd love you to check out how Chris survived, along with some other great human stories at battingthebreeze.com. Hopefully see you there. Uh, if you have one of those like collapsible telescopes and you're on the shoreline and you extend it all the way and look out, you could see how far that ship has sailed. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, <laughs> I just remembered and I wanted to try. <laughs> well, here's what I had written anyway. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> moving right along. 1548 is an early, early print. Um, it goes back a little bit farther. 1548, my desire is that none of you be so unadvised or harebrained. 1615, whilst they, out of a harebrained lunacy, desire battle. So I think, like, we, I tried to transition us from, uh, from yours to this one. Like I said, heedless, reckless, rash, wild, mad. You know, the, the 1615 satirical essay is throwing it out kind of in a, it's a crazy desire for battle. Why would anyone want battle? Right. You know? But we sort of end up with this idea right at, at the start where we started is it's it's the idea of of someone having or, or showing maybe no more brains or restraint than a, a hair and it sounds like even more specifically during a, a, the breeding season of the hairs ah. which is uh march have you ever heard the term march hair i have i yeah. think i think we have um so during march which is the breeding season, spring, you know, as, as we all like to feel that sun on our face after the long winter. Mm. Um, hares are wilder than at other times. So people, that, that, that is the, the parent of the saying, mad as a March hare. Wait. What's that? So sometimes, you know, my mother would say, what do you, what do you have, a wild hair up your butt? <laughs> and so... Nice. Is that what she meant? Probably. I just thought it was like a follicle. Yeah, right, like a random weird hair. It would, it would make you uh, qu quake and quiver and act uh, you know, rambunctious. It seems also plausible, though, right? I mean, you know how those errant hairs feel weird. You're like, eh. But probably the the, the more... And, and let me start. Let me not start because we're well into this by now. Let me just say at this point <laughs> uh, that rabbits and hares 
are not the same. Go on. They are two different uh, animals. They're two different species classified under the... Uh, okay, we'll go. The hare is, uh, is a member of the Lagomorpha order in the Leporidae family of the genus Lepus. That's what I was going to say. And Lepus is actually Latin for hare, like H-A-R-H-A-R-E. The hares are wild animals. They are They live on the ground. They don't live in burrows like rabbits do. Um, they're pretty timid, and they uh, live... Where do they sleep? They, live, they sleep in, like, uh, little nests that they make on the ground. They're called, uh, called forms, F-O-R-M-S. I know it's not uh, anything mind-blowing there. But they, they live basically either by themselves or with a, a mate or maybe a, couples, a few couples. Uh, they're really fast runners with kind of very powerful legs, long, longish feet to their body. Um, and their eyes are situated in such a way that it gives them a really, really wide viewing angle of possible prey since they live on the ground out in the open. Um, they've got large, larger ears than rabbits that they use to, you know, hunt or gather, you know, gather any surrounding audio as you'd want, any kind of noise, and also dissipate body heat. That's a similar function to rabbits, not not different, but their ears are larger in that sense. Um, yeah, they, they, like I said, they live above these, above ground in these little nests, uh, and their young are born, basically adapted to this hey, we're born out in the open where predators will come attack us lifestyle. Uh, so unlike rabbits, the baby hares come out like fully furred with their eyes open, and they're pretty much ready to go within like a week or so. They can hop within days. I mean, they're they're ready to go. Their mothers don't even check in. It's a, the mothers check in once a day to feed them for a few weeks, and then that's that. Like they're they're like, yeah, yeah, you got some food. All right, cool. See ya. Um, Dang. Yeah, and they they have not been domesticated in that sense, where. Rabbits live pretty much underground uh, in burrows or warrens, um, and their babies are born blind, hairless. You know, they don't have to be ready from the get-go. They have some time to adapt to the, the surroundings and not be immediately concerned with prey. Uh, they have shorter ears, and they, they also have different number of chromosomes. Rabbits have 44 chromosomes, and uh, hares have 48. And rabbits are domesticated. We raise them for food or keep them as pets. With their uh, their eyes that stare into your soul and peers back at you. Yeah, and while they're chewing and stuff, but yeah, and that's a cool thing too. Is hairs, their teeth keep growing. Their their front teeth. They have they have. Fr- this was weird. I looked at at skulls. Uh, they have apparently jointed skulls, which is a a thing. But I didn't understand. I, I tried to look into it, and I didn't do a deep dive. I didn't see any giant like. Oh, that skull looks weird. It looked like a skull. But they have like these front teeth and then they have these rear teeth that are far back, like molars, I guess, with nothing in between, you know? Uh, and But hares have to like continuously nibble. I don't know if this is rabbits too. I didn't see that actually. I, I, I know it said hares. But they, they their teeth never stop growing. So they constantly have to nibble on grass and like chew and keep their teeth like... I guess, whittling them away every day or whatever you'd want to say. You know what I mean? They must need the constant nourishment and then their body developed this thing to make sure they ate and then they'd wear down their teeth in a timely manner, uh, commensurate with the growth. 
of know. said teeth. Possibly. I mean, otherwise, why, why, why did it evolve that the, the teeth keep growing? Teeth never stop. No, I, I'm not sure. I mean, there's a reason for sure. There's a reason for everything in the, in the you know, evolutionary sense. But I'm not, yeah, that could be what it was. Yeah, they constantly need to keep eating. I already know who wins this race. <laughs> <laughs> Turtle. Turtle. Tortoise. Tortoise, which are also different. Yeah, I saw Blade Runner. <laughs> With that brief history of rabbits and hares, hares uh, have kind of always been that from the, the Latin word lepus, which I thought was funny because they leap. I don't know. I enjoyed that. <laughs> sure, no. Um, and comparing perhaps an individual that wasn't acting right, maybe it was a little reckless, a little rash, a little wild, a little mad, to a March hare, which is a hare during breeding season, which hares would be very finicky, very, you know, anyway, because they're timid and they've got to keep keep on their <laughs> toes, literally, <laughs> to stay ahead of the predators, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, harebrained is H-A-R-E, and it does relate to having a brain th- similar to a rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> which is not the same as the hair. Damn it. The, the brain similar as the hair. Which yeah. is not the same as a rabbit. No. I wrote it so we, many times. We just talked about it. just I just gave you so many reasons why they're different. Yeah. Yeah. All right, that's not nothing. No, I was I was enjoying the the distinctions. Cuz who would, you know, I just thought it well my hair is right next to my skull, which right. is next to my brain. I'm harebrained. I was picturing the Simpsons episode, the Treehouse of Horror, where Homer gets Snake, Snake, the criminal, jailbird, whatever you call him. He gets, it, it doesn't matter. No. He gets his, yeah, he gets a head transplant and the hair grows into Homer's brain and turns him into Snake. So that's what I think of. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll be right back. Sayonara, dude. Yeah, yeah. we'll be right back. <laughs> Allswell believes in the power of a good night's sleep for all. Their products feature innovative technology and unbelievable comfort and support without deflating your wallet. Combining the best of both worlds, the Allswell features hybrid mattress technology with memory foam and individually wrapped coils. For a winning blend of comfort and support, follow the link in the show notes for financing as low as 0%, a 100-night risk-free trial, free shipping and returns, and a 10-year limited warranty. Designed to make good sleep accessible to all. Real luxury, unreal prices. Allswellhome.com. Whole Nine Yards is sponsored by Big Science Music. Big Science Music is a can and one show award winning original music and sound boutique, providing scoring, sound design, radio, podcast, and audio post production services for the advertising, film, and video industries. Big Science Music also offers ADR, casting, and project management. Big Science Music's reels, full capabilities, and more can be found at BigScienceMusic.com. That's BigScienceMusic.com. All right, so those ads did something for all of us. Yeah, I feel ad refreshed. Ad plenished. Yeah, it's better. Yeah, it's a new one I'm working on. Yeah, we want to get back into it. Yeah, what's your next hit or misc? I don't want us to just continue with the tomfoolery. <laughs> nice. See, that was a segue. Yeah. That's how professionals do it. Tomfoolery. Yeah, that's mine. Foolish trifling. Oh, okay. Ooh, what do you call that? Yeah. Foolish trifling. Foolish trifling. 
Uh-huh. Feels like that feels right. There are some friends of the pod who, to protect them, will remain nameless oh. in this instance, who believe this, um, that there was this fellow in the 1600s. Yeah. We're obviously talking around in, in the Billy Shakes zone, mm-hmm. which is always, you know, early there in the 1600s. Yeah. That there was a Tom Fool. His name was actually Thomas Skelton. Okay. And uh, he was a jester for a family in uh, Mooncaster Castle. Why? Why Mooncaster Castle? But okay. All right. And that Shakespeare knew of this fellow and used him and his uh, persona and demeanor and jesterian ways <laughs> uh, as a model for the jester in King Lear. Okay. And and again, this fellow's name was Thomas Skelton. Tom Skelton. Yeah. And that Thomas Skelton was this jester, and then came tomfoolery. Um, but that's just wrong. <laughs> but that's just, just wrong. Yeah. There's no tomfoolery character in King Lear. No. Is there? I well, don't know that one that well. No, there's a jester in yeah. King Lear, and he's based on Thomas Skelton. And, gotcha. You know, people. Yeah. Yeah, it was a small circle back then. About three or four people that did anything. <laughs> yeah. But. See, the the thing about this is it was being used in one form or another far back into the 14th century. Okay. Pre-Mr. Billy Shakes. Yeah, and, and that yeah, that guy and everything. Yeah, definitely uh, pre-Skelton. Tommy Skelton. He was the great, 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 great grandfather of Red. <laughs> but that's not my charge right now. <laughs> so there's some blurry lines, although there is some really nice documentation that say maybe the lines aren't so blurry mm. but it's it's a little odd because we had a fellow in the 1300s uh, Thomas Fattus okay F A T U U S and Fattus was latin for foolish silly simple okay yeah and that's where the lines become a little funny because there is this um documentation of a jester-like fellow at the Durham Priory, and this is in the thirteen early thirteen hundreds. Mm-hmm. And the the fellow who championed over the Priory, William D. Calton, he liked this Tom Faddis. I like you, Tom. There seem to be, and and I found several documentations of records of our uh, William there uh, condoning payments to buy Tom Faddis some some shoes and boots and other kinds of things at various points throughout this uh, phase in the early 1300s. Yeah. And then oddly, a little later there, uh, mid-1300s, uh, there's documentation for expenses to bury one Thomas Faddis. Oh. Now, seems that seems... Above and beyond? <laughs> well, I mean, he was your favorite... Um, jester person he was like your television <laughs> your television broke and he felt sad <laughs> and this was in a day you just don't go down to wander sales or something to get a new i need a new tom yeah anybody got a new tom faddis model uh oh actually records dictate that our fellow william then went out and bought a monkey <laughs> wow i know uh, i'm not making this up no i, I believe you <laughs> 
<laughs> it hurts, but it's fitting. Yeah, sure. So <laughs> the problem is there's also, so Faddis did mean fool, though, so which makes Thomas Faddis's name a little funny. But you know what? Maybe this guy, Tom, was an orphan who had no name. William took him in because he was a funny lad and then just named him Thomas Fool, Thomas Faddis, you know? Sure. We don't we don't have record of this. No. Uh, but just I'm the just shoes. postulating. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm a postulator from way back. It's good to have ideas. Yeah. I'm going to put that out there. But there are also people that bring up an interesting point. You know, there's, there's things that we do today... Off the top of my head, I don't I don't have a lot of references, but maybe you can chime in with some. Mm -hmm. But the way we might use the first name Joe when we're just trying to be every man or every man with a surname, such as Joe Sixpack. Mm -hmm. So they suggest that in this day, Tom was the name used okay. yeah. in this fashion. So if Fattis was full... Tom was just, you, you guy. Tom fool. Yeah, you guy. This, yeah. This person. You human fool. Again, it doesn't jive with the records of this priory in 1330 that dictate a specific man named Thomas Faddis was um, the recipient of gifts, of shoes, etc. Yeah. But you know, we, we don't know what Tom was doing wearing those shoes. <laughs> but... And then none of my business. No. But I want to understand Yeah. which was it. Was there a real Tom Faddis or was it Joe Sixpack version? But yeah. I'm going to say, nevertheless, a number of other friends of the pod would say that early on, prior to 1600, uh, this idea Tom Faddis, Tom Fool, meant an idiot, a half-brain mm -hmm. person, not a funny person uh, and that it morphed into being a funny person come the 1600s but these records suggest significantly and indisputably otherwise Tom Faddis was used in the 1300s as a as a jester type person Name, which yeah. suggests not a half brain who is just funny to, to because you think he's funny because yeah. he doesn't have any smarts Right. But funny because they actually, you know, made you laugh they doing something. They want to be funny. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, That's a real Tom Faddis. Hard to know, and, and but e easy, to, easy to trace where this came from in, in a lot of ways. And we see that in the 1800s, it had evolved now into one word, which is also an odd-looking word, compound yada yada word, where... <laughs> You know, one of those compound yada yada words. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sure. I'm, I'm introducing that tomfoolery, all small letters, all one word, you know? Yeah. It's all one word. Not even hyphenated. No hyphen. Tomfoolery. 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 By the 1800s, we have transitioned it to mean the act of such a fool. Yeah. Right. What's up with all that tomfoolery? Right. Yeah. Like if you broke into buildings or rooms and stole documents or whatever, we'd say, what's up with all that Richard Nixonery?" <laughs> if you started taping people. <laughs> right. Nice. Yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. But we didn't do that. No, we didn't do that. There's still time. 
There is still time. Uh, and others. But this is, um, this is what happened. It just transitioned in that way. I like to think of it as Tom being that guy who was replaced by a monkey, but, you know. <laughs> right. It's, it does a nice thing. Like, yeah, Tom, uh, he was a fool, and we got a monkey, and uh, we got it. Tom Faddis. Tom Faddis. But I also stumbled across one other little tasty nugget, which I'd like to bring into my lexicon. Yeah. An old Latin saying, ignis fatus, which is a foolish goal. Ignis fatus. Yeah. Well, that's an ignus fatus. Yeah, I mean, you might put some flair on it. Ignius fatius. Yeah. <laughs> say what we say when I say it. All like that. Oh, man. <laughs> But that's what I got. What do you have? Catch 22. Have you used this phrase, catch 22? Yes, certainly I've used this. Yes. Well, that's a catch 22, right? Well, if you said you're not allowed to use that, but use it. Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. It is a paradoxical situation. Mm -hmm. A dilemma or difficult circumstance from which there is no escape because of mutually conflicting or dependent conditions. Like, yeah. why is the only way to qualify for a bank loan is to prove to the bank that you, you don't need, need a loan. <laughs> right. Yes. This is a catch-22. Why do you need identification to get identification? <laughs> right. <laughs> hey, that's something. Yes. We also, we, we used to have, I guess we still do, a, a UHF... <laughs> ultra high frequency mm, nice. television station. Well, it's just now it's just a television station. Yeah. 22, channel 22. Channel 22, yeah. And they used to use that, Catch 22. That was like uh, a slogan. Their, their, yeah, tagline. Yeah. Nice. I digress on you. No, it's all right. No, yeah. Um. Yeah, these Catch 22s really seem to, you know, result from rules or regulations or, you know, procedures that an individual is subject to but has has no control over yes there's no control whatsoever never uh, in any of this um yeah this one is we've got signed sealed delivered evidence here's here's what it is uh this is, it comes from a 1961 satirical novel 1961 1961 we've only been using this since 1961 yeah and the idiom uh came around like late 60s early 70s so pretty quickly after the after the book but yes it's only been around since then uh joseph heller's satirical novel titled catch 22 and in this novel in the novel in the novel uh it describes specifically in here the absurd bureaucratic conditions on soldiers in world war ii uh the quote surrounding this first instance of it in the book it comes up uh, several times in the book <laughs> uh you mean there's a catch sure there's a catch doc Nika replied Catch-22. Anyone who wants to get out of combat duty isn't really crazy. Continuing the quote, there was only one catch, and that ca was Catch-22, which specified that a concern for one's own safety in the face of danger that were real and immediate was the process of a rational mind, or was crazy and could be grounded. All he had to do was ask, and as soon as he did, he would no longer be crazy and would have to fly more missions, or would be crazy to fly more missions and sane if he didn't. But if he was sane, he had to fly them. But if he flew them, he was crazy and didn't have to. But if he didn't want to, he was sane and had to. <laughs> I love it. Um, Where'd he get the 22? 
these are just it's a basically it's kind of a rules of contracts and clauses kind of pulling that stuff out there was there was a catch it was catch number 22 and that uh that's what this one specifically su- 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 describes subscribes. it was number 22 number 22 this All is right. catch catch number 22 yeah yeah this term is introduced by this character uh, dr nika who is an uh, army psychiatrist who invokes this catch 22 to explain why any pilot requesting mental evaluation for insanity uh hoping that they would be found not sane enough to fly and then not have to fly these dangerous missions that would definitely kill them uh would demonstrate that they were very sane in asking this request and thus they wouldn't be able to be declared insane it's a nice one no what's this author's name uh joseph heller that should be a holiday for this guy i mean it's fascinating right (laughs) It's a satirical novel for the for the warboard. It's nice. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, it, it appears several times throughout the novel, uh, and obviously it's the title of the novel. But like I said, 1968 is kind of... 61, you said. No, but 68 is when we get the idioms. We're getting... The, now we're not using it in, to describe the book or talk about the book. Now we're using it to describe actual, you know, bureaucratic <laughs> runaround. <laughs> so yeah, they it, it got absorbed into the, the culture right away. So. Right away, like right away. Yeah, everyone was happy for it and to hear it. Uh, 1968, the meeting was the third held, an attempt to resolve the road problem. The community's efforts had resulted in a bureaucratic catch-22 runaround. Uh, same thing throughout there, 1975. There's no easy way to the college catch-22. You may be underemployed if you go to college and unemployed if you don't. That's uh, These are just news articles. Yeah. James E. Combs and Dan D. Nimmo suggest the idea of a catch-22 has gained popular currency because so many people in modern society are exposed to uh, this frustrating bureaucracy that we all deal with every day of our lives, each and every one of us. Uh, They wrote basically that uh, everyone who deals with with organizations can understand what they're talking about in this catch-22. In high school or college, for example, students can participate in student government a form of self-government and democracy that allows them to decide whatever they want just so long as the principal or dean of students approves on the things that they decided they want. <laughs> uh, so this bogus democracy that can be overturned by arbitrary people uh, is really kind of, what they're saying is, is a person's first encounter with organizations and bureaucracy that they may they may be touted as, oh yeah, you guys can have your own elections. You can figure out what you want. You can You can... Do what you want in your own bylaws, and these are up to you. But then, really, no, they're they're not at all up to you. They're they're still a part of the hierarchy and the bureaucracy. Um, yeah, they say Catch Twenty Two is an organized organizational assumption, an unwritten law of informal power that exempts the organization from responsibility and accountability, and puts the individual in this absurd position of being accepted for the convenience or unknown purposes of the organization. Huh. Yeah, uh, but this is a real term that came from a book in the sixties, and. 1961. It's a clear, I mean, it, it's such a good use and a clear vision that it, it caught on within seven years of the book's release. And it's not even in quotes in this first, in that first 1968. Uh, so, I mean, it's, it has to already then be assumed, if we know anything, that it's, it's, a, it's it has some knowledge of an idiom already by the time uh, I'm seeing this first use in, in print. Because there's no quotes on it. No need to call it out in, in the quote. Yeah. So pretty fast. Pretty fast. That's what I'm talking about the holiday for this. Yeah. We really got things done. Yeah. <laughs> I thought of it. I put it out there. Done. Done. And now you all love it. Yeah. Yeah. Satire has a way of speaking to us because it uh, it knows what we're all affected by. 
And it can call out those things pretty quickly and easily. Hmm. If it even exists anymore. Hmm. <laughs> well, all right then. Yeah. That's some kind of thing. There was one catch, and it was catch 22. That was all I had. No, that's good. Yeah. So no catch 22 to actually getting in touch with us. No, you, just you get can in just touch with us get in and touch then with you've us. gotten in touch with us. Yeah, there's no bureaucracy over here. I mean, I mean, do it for what do you wait, man? <laughs> so yeah, whole nine yards pod, Twitter, Reddit, Instagram, whole nine yards podcast, Facebook, Meta Land. Yeah, I feel good about those words. We we kind of did the we did the shift, make the shift to Friday. 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 We made the shift to Friday. Yeah. Yes, we did make that shift, and I think we we're wondering how it's working out for everybody. <laughs> Seems like maybe it's okay. Yeah. I kind of like it. Yeah. But I mean... <laughs> so we're going to do that. We're going to give that a go for a little bit. Yeah. And see how that goes. Yeah. If you're angry at us for it, but, you know, we'll reach out. Let us know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But for now, we've made the shift to Friday. 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 <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. I, I, that's good. Yeah. I feel punchy about that. I feel punchy. It feels good. Today's a good day. Yeah. All right. Everything's <laughs> great. Yeah. I'm Jay. And I'm Ray. And we're, we're not idioms. Whole Nine Yards is written, recorded, and produced by Big Science Pods. Learn more at whole9yards.org or contact Whole Nine Yards by emailing heyyou at whole9yards.org. That's heyyou at whole9yards.org. Whole Nine Yards theme music composed by Big Science Music.